0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. amazing offers during the mercedes-benz summer event like the 2019 c-class sedan and glc suv the perfect recipes of driving performance plus you can enjoy six months of sirius xm all access included the mercedes-benz summer event now serving limited time offers on a select lineup of vehicles offers end september 3rd mercedes-benz the best
1: or nothing Yes, welcome back in. You were listening to the August eighteenth, two 2017 edition of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Road of His podcast. You guessed it, we answer all of your fantasy football questions. I'm your host this evening, Jeremy Hart at Fantasy Gumshoe, and joining me today on the show is a writer and speaker of words for NFL.com. You can find him taking selfies of his hair pictures of his dog while eating plain wheat bagels and Brussels sprouts in his backyard over at backyardbanter.com where you can also find his reception perception welcome to the show one of my brothers from another father over at the old sportable dot is may it rest in peace matt Harmon. you can find him on the tweets at matt Harmon underscore byb now matt some of us in the industry know that as boy young boy but i like to think that's bring your beer
2: yeah, it could be that. Uh it's kind of whatever, you know, it's whatever.
0: Love a good deal? Sale into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from 19.99, polos from 16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory.
2: You, you know, it's whatever you want it to be. I mean, I think it started out as backyard banter was the original uh intention of BYB, but at this <laughs> point like I really think like the underscore BYB is like the like getting the X's name tattooed on you at this point. Like that's my that's the equivalent to what it is to my career. Like I can never change it because if I do change it, they'll they'll take my blue check away, you know, and have to get it re verified and all that. And like that's the one thing in my life I can't lose. So it's just kind of stuck there. I mean, I have to live with it. So, you know, it is what it is. And uh,
1: we're just trying to make it look good. Well, we're certainly going to hopefully make you look good here this evening, uh, this day, this morning, whatever time it is that you're listening in. And hang on to that thought about that uh, tattooing the x on your body here because we may come back to something similar to that here but uh today we're going to answer all the questions for the week around regarding uh dynasty trades ball adp redraft outlooks all that good and fun stuff right matt so before we dive right in though your hashtag reception perception ultimate draft guide is officially ready for purchase tell the good folks at rv nation what they get when they do purchase the i'll call it the rb RPUDK.
2: Yeah, so partnered with the uh with the fine folks at the Fantasy Footballers uh podcast this off-season to release the reception perception results from 2016 in their Ultimate Draft Kit previewing the 2017 season. I've been doing reception perception for the last 3 seasons, um and this year was by far the most players I've ever charted, the most data I've collected. And now 3 years worth of context, we really have a good understanding of like what some of these metrics might indicate or what they might really tell us. Um, and so this is a big, big release of data here in, in the Ultimate Draft Kit with the fantasy footballers. Uh, you get access to 50 NFL wide receiver profiles. 19 college wide receiver profiles, the incoming rookies of this class, league-wide metrics on success rate versus coverage, what type of routes all these receivers are running. I mean, literally anything you want to know about a wide receiver, Reception Perception has it for you, and it is available exclusively in the Fantasy Footballers Ultimate Draft Kit this year. You can find it at receptionperception.com. Just drag the mouse over my cute little face there and it takes you to a link to purchase the ultimate draft kit, uh, where you get access to all this information. And if you want, you know, a little taste before, uh, before you make the purchase, you can always use the hashtag reception perception on Twitter to see the graphs and everything that I'm tweeting out with it.
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And I'm supposed to be 35 ish years old here, Matt, but I, I find it kind of eerie that, you know, you just so happen to have a total of 69 profiles on the, on the site here today
2: hey man I did not realize that and that was not intentional but now it's like I don't even think I want to mess with that number maybe we just do that every year 19 rookies 50 NFL wide receiver profiles so we get right to 69 and everybody's feeling very very nice about
1: it well we're feeling very nice about it Matt (laughs) over a couple players you're uh, zooming in on this year based on your findings
2: yeah so uh, I I don't really know if I have like a hard and fast like this is a guy I really need to target because his reception perception is so awesome like I have in the past. one A couple players that I am zooming in on, and these are kind of some guys that most people already know about. One is Stefan Diggs, who I know has been a his guy for a long, long time. Diggs has been a really impressive player in reception perception after his – uh, first two NFL seasons. Now, he's a player that, like, interestingly enough, like my eye test back in watching his college film, you know, before I was charting college receivers for reception perception, I didn't think he was going to be much of an NFL player, but he's absolutely changed my opinion of him in his first two years based on his results in reception perception. He actually improved his uh, success rate versus zone and man coverage after posting solid results as a rookie 72.7% and 82.1% in his second season. Um, And what was actually most impressive was. Was he actually bumped his success rate versus press coverage from a sub-40th percentile score in 2015 to a 72nd percentile score in 2016, and he also improved his contested catch rate. I think this guy has superstar ability, and he's in an awesome – Position for fantasy football. Uh, He looks like he's going to be a player that's locked into 130 targets and has 90 catch upside with the fact that he plays from the slot in an offense that I think is kind of sneaky in Minnesota. In that tier of guys that he goes in, you know, from looking at fantasy football calculator ADP, Larry Fitzgerald, Willie Sneed, Jamison Crowder, Diggs, and Emmanuel Sanders, I'm in on all of those guys, but I think Diggs is the one player out of that group that can outkick his ADP and be a top. 12 wide receiver, especially in PPR this year. So he's someone I'm definitely zooming in on. Um, Tyree Kill's another one that maybe is a little bit more uh, polarizing. I feel like most people have kind of come around on Hill at this point, but he's the classic player that I think reception perception is really useful for a player like Tyree Kill because we know he's talented. We know he can make plays, but the Chiefs have signaled to us this year that they want him to be their number one receiver. That's something we haven't really seen Other teams try to do with these, you know, quote unquote gadget receivers like Cordero Patterson or Tavon Austin. The Chiefs insist on that he's going to be like their Steve Smith type of player and looking at his route running in limited looks in reception perception as a rookie in 2016. He really impressed. He cleared the 80th percentile in success rate versus man zone and press coverage. I think we saw enough from Hill in limited looks as a rookie to imagine him as a potential wide receiver one in this offense. And I really like where he goes in draft. I think he's appropriately valued, and especially if I can snag one or two wide receivers ahead of taking Tyreek Hill in the fourth, fifth round. I love adding him in fantasy this year. So those are some kind of like, Two higher-end guys that I really uh, like. And then looking in the later rounds, of course, if he's ever healthy, which might not be the case, I'm still totally in on John Brown. But another guy in the ninth round that I really like, two guys really that kind of started to break out last year were Tyrell Williams and Cameron Meredith. Both I think are legit via their reception-perception results and, and two guys that I'm definitely looking at
1: in the later rounds. Absolutely. And we talk about Stephon Diggs having superstar ability. The Kansas City Chiefs uh, seemingly looking to force feed Tyreek Hill this year. And, you know, what kind of provokes some of those behaviors on the field there, right, Matt? And what else we kind of look at or some of the NFL release next-gen stats to really kind of help delve into what some of these players can do out on the field physically. So what have you found interesting so far as you've been taking a look and gander into the next-gen stats that were recently released as well?
2: Yeah, it's been cool seeing other people on Twitter kind of getting it to getting able to dissect some of this data that I've obviously been playing around with for about a year now behind the scenes at NFL that now it's all some of it's out in the public and I mean there's still so much more to come. Uh one one thing that I've definitely been looking at is um I talk a lot with uh, actually it was just on Adam Harstead's podcast and and looking at and we were discussing kind of like the what what you can tell from a metric just based on who uh, is at the top of the results and what that like what your intuition tells you whether that makes sense or not and when I first looked over some of like the separation at target numbers for the wide receivers um, I had a lot of like kind of reckoning to do with that like what does this really mean because obviously with reception perception I'm charting route running and separation and all of that on a route to route basis whereas with the next gen stats we're looking at separation from the nearest defender on just targeted passes and some of those results vary uh, widely and what I like to think is that sort of in the inverse way of some players in reception perception like slot wide receivers such as Jamison Crowder or Golden Tate you know Jordan Matthews types those guys might not necessarily have the high success rate versus man coverage scores but they have really high success rate versus zone coverage in reception perception and you see these separation at target numbers for some of these players really rise for the slot guys um, and kind of decrease for the, some of those outside boundary receivers. You know, players like Kelvin Benjamin, Des Bryant, Allen Robinson are these guys that are going up against tight press coverage on a route-to-route basis when and getting targets in high degree of difficulty situations. And that's why you see some of those separation numbers lower for them. So I think there's just so much data right now to, that's coming out with, to the public with these next-gen stats. And I think the separation one that is something I'd really like to do more work on, see which ways we can like different points in the play that we can identify separation you know I really pitched the idea of measuring separation when the quarterback gets to the top of their drop back I think that would be really enlightening Um, so there's just so much more room left to go but I think now we're just trying to see like what does this really mean what does this tell us and and it just goes to show I think too these separation numbers why wide receiver play needs to be broken down into archetype and is another reason why I think measuring anything You know, divided by a target or divided into a target, it can be a little bit murky because it brings so many other variables into the equation.
1: Yeah, and you talk about um, measuring wide receivers and how to kind of break them out into archetypes. And one of the things I like to kind of do is create a structural draft strategy, which you can also do at the customizable projection cheat sheet that was just uh, released here as a new app on the site. That's just one of the many tools and resources you have available for you at rotaviz.com and you can get it for only a thirty percent discount right now, and that's at Rotaviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage at rotaviz.com slash podcast. And your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our premium stuff and it also supports this pod. You can also support the pod, subscribe to it, and rate the Road of his Radio channel on iTunes. Do that, you'll be eligible to compete against Road of his podcasters and writers in a $35 entry best ball league hosted by our friends over at the FFPC. The winner of each league will receive a year-long Road of his pass on top of the cash prize. All you have to do is, again, go to iTunes, leave a review, leave your name, email us, RodevizRadio at gmail.com. Let us know you want in the Road of his League, and we'll make sure to get that going for you as well. All right, Matt let's move on to the next segment here and get down to some of the QQs for the week. Here we go. Redraft PPR. David Johnson, Brandon Marshall in picks 9, 10, and 11, or Amir Abdullah, Jordan Reed in picks 1, 2, and 3. Now, that's all the details I have on this match, so I can only surmise we're talking about actual redraft picks round 9, 10, 11, etc. So what are your thoughts on this one here?
2: Uh, I think I'm going to go with... When I read this, you know, picks one, two and three, I thought that meant the first three picks overall. And I mean, that would be an obvious way to go with that. And in addition to getting Jordan Reed, um, because I think in the first group, obviously, you're getting David Johnson, who I would pick first overall in any draft, regardless of format, uh, PPR or standard. So if, if it's a one, two, three pick, then I think I'm fine going with that side of it simply because you're getting hopefully getting one of those different I mean it's the first three picks overall, obviously you're getting both those difference making drafts or difference making running backs in your draft and mm-hmm. that just gives you such an unfair advantage and then you can obviously take Antonio Brown or Odo Beckham, who's ever your top pick of the wide receiver group there. So if that if that's the case, that's a hundred percent the way I would go. I have a little bit of a pause there if it's If it's the first three rounds instead, but I think I'm still going that way. I'm not really in on Brandon Marshall at his cost this year with the New York Giants and, you know, picks in the ninth, 10th and 11th round really don't do much for me, even though you lock in David Johnson with his side. I think I'm going to go with the picks one, two and three.
1: Yeah, I'm going on the value side here as well. It seems like a lot to give up to just to get David Johnson and obviously he's a beast, right? But seems mm-hmm. it seems a little lopsided here. And we've got one more similar uh Antonio Brown, Isaiah Crowell in a 10th or and this is redraft PPR or DeMarius Thomas, Amir Abdullah in a first.
2: Yeah, this one was easy for me that I'm just taking the best asset in this one and that's Antonio Brown obviously. Crowell, I'm in on you know, he's I guess, fairly valued to me this year. Uh, Demarius Thomas, I really like as well, especially if you're looking in the third round as like for a floor play. And really, honestly, the third round is kind of gross this year. I know a lot of people have talked about that. And I'm not in on Abdullah this year. Uh, I think his talent, he's the hes the consummate player of like as a talent. Yeah, he's really exciting and I want to be in on that. But I just don't have any faith that he has passing game workload locked in, nor do I have faith that he is the red zone back there on his team that is pass heavy. I just I can't really tell myself a story where Amir Abdullah is going to is going to fill the hopes that I think we'd all like to see for him. And it's just one of those situations where it doesn't really matter how good you think he is. It matters how he's going to be used. And I don't have a lot of confidence in that right now.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there as well, right? I mean, all we're getting is a between the twenties kind of grinder there. And I'm, I'm sure he has more in him. We've never actually gotten a, an elongated opportunity to see it. So I'm sure it's there, but uh, for the price, you, you can really just go elsewhere. All right, Matt, what is the most interesting thing about you that we might not know?
2: I feel like I put a lot of myself out there <laughs> to the public. Uh, so I feel like thing, people know most things about me, but I will say that the most, uh, the earliest I can remember, like getting in trouble as a kid, and this is such a stupid thing, but no, 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 no. I'll tell, I'll tell a different story. That was that's a that's a dumb story. It's not even very interesting. But I have uh, I have two scars uh, from on that are visible, like that you could see just by looking at me or whatever, and they're both for the stupidest reasons. One, when I was a kid, I uh, I went to like rip like rip a piece of tape. At a Boy Scout event, and I later quit the Boy Scouts. Maybe this was why. Um, not really a finisher in that regard. Uh, and another friend went to cut the tape, so I have this nice long, like curved scar on the tip of my middle finger on my right hand. So I guess like that adds a little extra juice if I ever do decide to p- flip people the bird. Um, and the second I got on the top of my forehead. Uh, from, like, you, you ever see those, like, hammock swings or whatever? They're, like, hammocks, but it's just for one person, and you sit in them individually. Yeah. My, I, had, I had one and was twisting them around Out the top and it came out of the top deck and I landed down looked up and all the chains hit me in the head. So I burst open my face. uh, So that's on the top of my forehead. It's a little harder to see but which is too bad. I think that would look kind of gnarly but maybe not as good for the times they let me on camera. Uh, I wouldn't look as pretty but so those are two (laughs) interesting things. I'm a very I'm a very very physically broken person clearly.
1: I feel like I'm getting a picture of of Tom and Jerry, and and Jerry snaps the hammock in, into to Matt Harmon's face, and that's that's, I,
2: that's basically what happened. Except my sister was the one doing the snapping of the of the hammock, and uh, I was the one taking the brunt. So yeah, that's that's basically how it happened.
1: <laughs> yeah, I have a scar above my right eye from uh, when we were 14 years old. A uh, believe it or not, a bottle rocket war, which was extremely stupid. At the time, so yeah. So you were on that Jason Pierre-Paul plan, basically, is what you're saying. A hundred (laughs) percent, a hundred percent. And and the hammock, true story. My wife just recently bought two hammocks off of Amazon that you can you know tie one side to a tree, tie the other side to another tree, which is really cool, right? When the fuck are we ever gonna go and have the time to just go in a hammock and relax between Uh, two trees?
2: Yeah, that, that is, that is exactly my thought. We had a, we had a hammock as, as a family, like in, like, I think when I was in high school and I can remember like being in high school, having time to sit in one, but like, as an adult, what do you do? Like, what are you doing with yourself that you just have time to like sit in a hammock, like get something done? (laughs) <laughs> what like What is going on? I yeah, I could never imagine that at this point.
1: Well, and it was odd, too, because I think she just buys things to buy things and you know talks it off because it was on sale at Amazon or whatever it was. But it just so oddly was like two weeks after we took the kids to the park and maybe 21, 22-year-olds went to the park, set up this exact hammock in the park, and went in the hammock. And they just kind of disappeared in the hammock for like 20 minutes, right? You and I clearly know what they were doing in that hammock. So maybe my mm-hmm. wife... Is getting some ideas or something? I, I well, that know. doesn't sound too bad. Then, in that case, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just no more kids. No, moving on. Free <laughs> draft uh, with Zeke's appeal scheduled for later this month. How far does he have to fall before I can take him? I'm drafting him. At, I'm I'm drafting at the end, and I'm contemplating taking him in the early second.
2: Yeah, one thing I just want to say on Zeke's appeal uh, and everything. There is no question that I can be asked that I, can, I am quicker to say. I have no freaking idea than when people <laughs> ask me, like, what do you think is going to happen with Zeke's appeal? Like, why would anybody ask me that question? Why would anybody ask any fantasy analyst that question? Like, what, what, like, bro, we know the same amount of information as you. Like, I have no – it's just my – so quick to say <laughs> I have no freaking idea, man. I don't know what to tell you. But just so I just wanted to put that as an aside. Uh, but in, in terms of what I'm doing with Zeke and Redraft this year – I think if you really want to be aggressive, you can take him in the early third round. I don't want to take him in the early second. Like I said, that third round range, I don't feel super confident in taking anybody there right at this point. Um, I do think that, like, basically, the question that it comes down to for me, when I'm looking at my running back tiers, you know, I have those obviously those two top guys, you know, with being David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell right up there at the top. But then I'm looking at this next tier of running backs, and it's obviously like Devonta Freeman, LeSean McCoy, Jay Ajayi, DeMarco Murray, Melvin Gordon, Jordan Howard. I would take all those guys without hesitation over Ezekiel Elliott. But then I look at that kind of next tier, guys like Lamar Miller, Ty Montgomery, Todd Gurley, Isaiah Crowell, Leonard Fournette. Do I want 16 games of them or half a season of Zeke? And I'm pretty tempted, you know, to go with that half a season of Zeke. I... I, the the fantasy playoff weeks are more important than those early weeks i definitely get the idea of you you don't want to be chasing early in the fantasy season but i think there's some merit to taking zeke in the third round but i would not consider it in the in the second round and like i said i would take all those running backs ahead of him and there are multiple wide receivers i would do the same for too
1: yeah i'm with you hundred percent on the board now here's here's the one the one kind of thing that's that's just needling me inside. Uh, about where Zeke is going now because we all feel the same way about that tier where you'd rather have Zeke versus the Lamar Millers of the world. The only problem I have is that if I'm not drafting in the Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Antonio Brown range – I'm not going to get Zeke unless I take him in that early second, which means the person yeah. that drafted Le'Veon, David Johnson, Antonio Brown could very well likely also land Zeke in the third, and that scares the crap out of me all the same.
2: So yeah, well, t- to your point, point, yeah,
1: we, we boy, we we don't know what to really do, but it's almost like somebody on behalf of the league needs to step up and just take one for the team or take one <laughs> for the league, right? I like that. I like that thought process. (laughs) All right. Redraft. We talk all the time about coach speak, Matt, but this year is dropping new bombs on us with player speak. First, it was DeAndre Hopkins talking about why Tom Savage needs to be the starter. Next, it was Joe Thomas talking about why Brock Osweiler should be the starter in Cleveland. He even went as far as saying uh, he thinks they're grooming Brock to start. What am I supposed to make of this, and does Brock's starting change your outlook of this offense at all? please Browns
2: don't start Brock Osweiler (laughs) come on I mean come on you know what what are you going to accomplish by starting Brock Osweiler over Deshaun Kaiser I mean apparently Cody Kessler uh, is not is just not in consideration it seems like at this point he has not capitalized this offseason so he's out of the picture Uh, I think it's going to come down between Kaiser and Osweiler and Again, just come on, Browns. Just, just, just play the kid. Figure out, you know. I'm not saying he's going to be awesome or anything. Definitely going to take his lumps. But like, what are you going to get out of Brock Osweiler? You know, I just, I just do not like. I will believe Brock Osweiler is going to start Week One when I see him trot himself out there and start Week One. Uh, until then, I, I'm going to hold out hope that they don't put us through that. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what you should take from from this sort of stuff like players speaking in this regard um i would say it's more notable and i know this from some personal experience and like just paying attention to, to certain things since I've been in the business. Like I think it's more important when you don't hear players something say something than when they do. Like if a wide receiver you know is prompted to say something positive about his quarterback and he doesn't, or you never hear like any positive buzz from players inside of an organization about you know another player or whatever. Um, if you hear you know like Jason Witten talking about Ezekiel Elliott and and just how he said, you know, you just these are things you never do. You know, you never put your hands on a woman. That sort of. Stuff. I think that that goes a longer way than like when they say something positive. And in, in terms of Joe Thomas talking about them grooming Brock Osweiler, he has as much probably idea as you do of what they're what they're grooming Brock to do. So, um, I, I would say, don't, I would say don't take too much out of it. Uh, again, I think it's more important when they don't say something than when they do.
1: Fair enough. All right, Matt, what is your most useless talent outside of Boy uh, Scouts? Uh, Yeah. Well, that was a never a
2: talent. I I should say I was (laughs) in the Cub Scouts. And then like as soon I went to Boy Scouts one time and was like, this is not for me. Um, (laughs) I think, I mean, my most useless talent, what I, I would have said, like being obsessed about football, but somehow that landed me a a job. So (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if I could say anything as a useless talent, if I can make a career out of this. Um, it's, it's a good, it's a good question in terms of, you know, completely useless talent. Uh, is anything, you know, is anything a useless talent? If, if it brings you, you know, joy uh, and, and, you know, some sort of uh, actualization as a human being, is anything really a useless talent? I, d- I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. I will to answer it philosophically like that. I don't know that there is any such thing as a useless
1: talent. I'm just going to chalk that up as a useless question. How about that? Maybe my useless
2: uh, talent is being able to uh, flip things around in a super
1: dumb <laughs> meta sort of way like that. Hey, it worked. Whatever gets the job done. All right, Matt. Auction keeper from the forums. Alan Robinson for sixteen dollars. Todd Gurley for thirty-six dollars. If I trade a Rob for Gurley, I'll have eighty-one dollars remaining for the auction draft, as opposed to a hundred and one.
2: Uh, yeah, I want Robinson for sixteen dollars versus Todd Gurley for thirty-six, and I say this a little frighteningly, having just watched Blake Bortles in the preseason tonight. <laughs> Whoa, that was rough. And the fact that like now Chad Henney has suddenly become all of you know I mean, my one one of the biggest Allen Robinson fans out there, and there's a large fan club of Robinson guys out there, and the fact that Chad Henney is now our lord and savior at this point should just tell you all you need to know about how dire this situation is. But I still think Look, I, I want Todd Gurley kind of at a discount. I feel like I'm warming up to Gurley a little bit now because Lance Dunbar has been which is weird. Like Lance Dunbar is, is the access to Todd Gurley's upside as a pass catcher. Like that's what we needed to have happen. That feels strange to say. But at the same time, I think that could lock in some receiving work for Gurley, buoy his floor up a little bit, which pretty much was the only thing that did buoy his floor last year. Um, I think that Gurley's locked in for a decent amount of touches, and and this Rams offense, I think Sammy Watkins does help them a little bit, even though it's a it's a disgusting landing spot for Watkins himself. I think the Rams offense could be a slight bit better this year. So I, I don't know, but I want Gurley at a discount, and that does not that that doesn't provide a discount. Neither does his running back eleven ADP right now, um, in redraft league. So yeah, I take I'm taking Robinson and just hoping and praying that Chad Henney is finally as good as Bill
1: Parcells thought he was all those years ago. All right, Dynasty, Matt Breida and Eric Decker or Kenny Britt. I also have Joe Williams. Is it hmm. Breida or Breida? I want to say Breida. I think it's, it's, it's Breida. Okay. Uh, I feel like, yeah,
2: Adam Schefter was the first one I heard pumping up Breida, and I believe that's what, because I thought it was funny, like is he talking about Britta the water filters or whatever? But, no, he's certainly talking about some kind of, <laughs> Some kind of, some running back person on the 49ers. And I'm just going to take the better player here. And I think that's Eric Decker. Um, I know Kenny Britt's gotten a lot of love in, in the fantasy on like fantasy Twitter, but he is still Kenny Britt in the Browns offense. I believe, I do agree he is undervalued at his current ADP, but still give me Eric Decker who consistently outkicks his draft costs. I think is going to lead to wide receivers in Tennessee in, in terms of targets uh, and likely touchdowns, even though I still like Delaney Walker to lead the team uh, in total in total t- targets this year. Um, give me Eric Decker since uh, since Corey Davis has started slow in terms of his hamstring injury this offseason. So, yeah, I'll just take Decker and Breida as a nice little throw in.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there as well, Matt. Now, alright. So I know you like bluegrass, alright, but here's the deal. I don't, <laughs> I don't know shit about bluegrass, alright? So I, I have the fuck Mary Kill for this episode, alright? And I'm hoping that there's some sort of indirect correlation between bluegrass and jam bands, alright? So here's a couple I may or may not have enjoyed through, through my days. So here's the FMK. Grateful Dead, Dave Matthews Band, and Rusted Root. Okay, this
2: is really easy, uh, and I think you have it right in the in the exact order. I'm going to fuck the Grateful Dead. Uh, I'm not, like, the biggest Grateful Dead fan in the world, but I can definitely get down with them, like, sure, every now and again. I'm going to marry Dave Matthews because all you haters out there, the haters and losers are insistent on saying that Dave Matthews' band is overrated, but they're wrong. I uh, love Dave Matthews. Uh, not as much as my uh, cohort franchise, who has seen Dave Matthews live like over 36 times, which is just outrageous. But I do love Dave Matthews. Uh, they're the easy Mary here, and I'm gonna kill Rusted Root. I feel like they've only ever had that one song that became super annoying when it was in like every commercial a couple of years ago.
1: Yeah, I mu- I must say I'm I'm with you there 100%. Uh, Dave Matthews fan. Come on, I mean, you just how do you not like Dave Matthews? Yeah. Band?
2: Right. Like, that's the thing. I get it. If you don't like them as much as, like, I like them or they're diehard fans like them, you know, fine. But to say that they're bad, like, that's an objective, objectively stupid take. They're obviously a very talented group of musicians and they put out catchy stuff. And also, it's just sick when they, like, go off script when it's live. So yeah, if you, if you really want to be a cute contrarian, give me a break. I, I'm, I'm over that.
1: And, and Rusted Root is objectively horrible as well. <laughs> Just get out of here with that. We're answering all of your fantasy football questions this week with Matt Harmon of NFL.com, and we'll be back, so you should too. Hang tight. Hey, His fans. I want to take a minute to tell you about our friends at the FFPC who are celebrating their 10th year as the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. If you love the best ball format, the FFPC, has you covered the popular ffpc draft experts league started just a 35 dollars entry fee and go up to 1250 dollars for the high rollers drafts are filling fast so you won't have to wait long for your league to fill now if that's not enough the ffpc has introduced a brand new concept to season long double up best ball leagues with 100 payout yep You heard that right, 100% payout. Simply draft in a $35 or $250 entry FFPC Draft Experts League, finish in the top half of the league at the end of the season, that's the top six teams, and you will double your entry fee for the next year. Double-up leagues are the best deal in fantasy, so get on them now and start drafting. Do not miss the FFPC experience, folks. Go to myffpc.com. Register now. That's myffpc.com. Join your fellow players today at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. All right, we're back here with Matt Harmon of NFL.com, and we're jumping right back into the QQs. Here we go. Matt, Keeper League, from the forums, keep one of three. Uh, Oh, it looks like ADP or price doesn't matter here. So, the aforementioned superstar, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, or Jimmy Graham? Yeah, I'm going to take Diggs there. Um, It's hard to pass up
2: a wide receiver who's attached to Aaron Rodgers, that being Devontae Adams, but... Um, yeah, I'm higher on Diggs this year. I have him several tiers ahead of Adams in my rankings and I, I do really like Jimmy Graham this year. Um, but I think just, you know, in terms of positional strength, I, I really want to get Diggs this year out of this wide receiver group here
1: with you there as well. All right, Matt, what was the worst job you've ever had? So I've been pretty, pretty blessed in terms of like j-
2: jobs. I've, I've had really good jobs through throughout my, uh, throughout my life, um, I think the probably the worst job I ever had was the first job, um, that I had out of college where I was working at a, and I was in Lynch, and this is like when I started meeting all you guys on on Twitter is when I started blogging about football because I hated this job so much. I was like God, I got to do something or I'm just gonna lose it working this crappy job at like this uh basically what was like a group home for at risk youth, um, and I was kind of working like night shifts and evening shifts and. It was just miserable, and, and it was just a really boring job, Like basically just kind of like a, a glorified babysitter. But that was so terrible that it ended up pushing me to, like I said, spend some of that time while I was sitting there at this terrible job uh, watching film and writing about football, and uh, here we are. I landed me here, so I, th- I guess it wasn't so bad.
1: <laughs> I'm just picturing you kind of hovering over your PC, looking over like, hey, guys, knock that off. Come basically. On guys.
2: Dude, that was that was like my when we were all like starting at sportable and all right before then, that was exactly what my life was. So <laughs> quite a quite a climb we've had here, uh in terms of where we are now.
1: Oh, that's great. All right, redraft. Hey guys, loving the new customizable cheat sheet app. Uh if I'm drafting on either the NFL oh, it looks like if I'm drafting on the NFL site, which ADP do you think I should use? All right, Matt, so we just happen to have you, the NFL guy here. So uh what would you say on this one? Not our ADP. Uh, NFL.com's ADP is so
2: terrible. I tell them this all the time. um, I I like using a site like Fantasy Pros or um, Fantasy Football Calculator in terms of ADP. But um, just because I think like, you know, I I love MFL 10s and everything that goes on at my fantasy league. I love playing there. I love having Dynasty Leagues there. Like I said, I love doing the basketball leagues. But I don't really like to use the ADP there too much because I don't think it's really reflective of like common – drafts. And I assume that if you're doing a league on NFL.com that you're probably playing with a lot more casual users. So I think informing yourself of ADP from sites like Fantasy Pros or Fantasy Football Calculator that take some more of those casual viewers into effect, I think it's important to do that um, instead of just looking at consistently what sharp people are doing in MFL 10s. Um, so that's what I would recommend.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there as well. And I'll actually just jump uh, a couple questions up because it looks like we Virtually have the same question here. Just discovered your site. Really think I'm going to finally avoid being the laughing stock of my league this year. My cousin is insufferable and needs to lose. Any players I should put on my target list. So uh along the same lines we've already, you know, discussed John Brown, Stephon Diggs, uh Tyreek Hill, any anyone else on your short list that you wanna call out real quick.
2: Yeah, I mean, in terms of running backs, I'm really in on Ty Montgomery this year as like, a, again, if I have to get aggressive and take him in the third round, I'm fine with that because, like I said, that third round zone is such a dead zone. And I, I really think Ty Montgomery, he offers a great proposition of ceiling and floor like to me it is floor i think he's a rich man's theoretic uh that was kind of the role he was playing last year for the packers when he first got converted to running back and i really see no reason why even if he's a liability in pass protection they can still flex him out from the backfield into the slot he can run routes that way um i really like him in that role and i think it is ceiling He's a poor man's David Johnson. If everything hits right, he's going to be a total workhorse, not just as a, as a running back, but as, as a receiver too. And I think he has, like I said, that great mix of ceiling and floor. So he's someone I'm targeting, um, in the early rounds. Some other running backs too, like this, this year doesn't feel like there is as many great late round uh running backs in terms of like if you're targeting for zero RB teams, but I would definitely look at in the late rounds taking a player like Jonathan Williams, the Bills backup running back, because I think he's the rare backup who has some standalone value. Mike Gillisley offered us some value last year as a red zone guy. I think Jonathan Williams could do that this year. And not to mention if he gets uh somehow runs into the starting job, if Shady McCoy is to get hurt or something like that, he's obviously running into a really juicy situation. So he's another one that I would target late in your draft.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And along both of these, uh, questions here, you know, I think especially for home leagues, a couple of these were kind of driven towards home leagues. Uh, I guess that's what us in the business call them home leagues. Some of the folks might be listening going, what is a home league? We're actually talking about your league that you're in with your friends, your family, your coworkers, et cetera. Um, uh, but if you take a look at the, the projections here, what I like to actually do is compare, uh, you know, the, the MFL ADP or the Fantasy Pros ADP to a site like, um, cover your ears here map at ESPN, right? Because you can actually take a look at those deltas and really get a good grasp on where you can actually let players fall. For instance, you know Travis Kelsey, he's he's picked 28 in MFL, and ESPN, he's 41. Dalvin Cook, picked 38. ESPN, 55. Joe Mixon, 33. ESPN, 59. So you already see a trend there where some of these rookies are actually getting undervalued in the home league. Stephon Diggs, uh, picked 51. ESPN, picked 67. So a lot of big in value there. Mike Gillisley, Willie Sneed, Cameron Meredith. So you can actually go prepared for your draft with a list of some of these guys here and really just pluck them a round or even two rounds later than you think they're supposed to go because you know your league, for the most part, is just just isn't going to have them on the radar here.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really smart move. Just players that You know, aren't as big a names. And, you know, it's like I said, I love MFL 10s. I love playing them. But I would think that like the percentage of people that play MFL 10s versus like the percentage of the population that plays fantasy football is quite a bit different. So you got to remember, like, who is your audience? Who are you talking to? And, uh, you know, like I said, you could take advantage of things that way. And I think the way you outlined, that's a really good
1: way of looking at it. Yeah, we we forget we're really just a very small, minute piece of the puzzle over yes. here in this world. Here, all right, Matt. Movie within a movie time, my favorite. Take movie number one's cast of characters, pick them up, move them over to a completely different movie's plot. What is the new movie, and how does it play out?
2: So I'm going to go super chalk movies here because I'm not like a, a super big movie buff. Um, you, I'm I'm probably like the worst person asked for this ask this question. <laughs> but i would i would love to see like the cast of uh star wars in something like jurassic park put them in like you know the this unfamiliar environment uh and See some dinosaurs running around and see so how the Star Wars characters react to it because I feel like some of the things like especially in in A New Hope uh you know which is great I mean I loved A New Hope obviously it's it's the it's the original it's it's fantastic but like I feel like a lot of the characters made some dumb moves in there and I could see the dinosaurs taking advantage of that uh so that's something I would like to see play out like which which characters you know made their mistakes in their early years of A New Hope there in Star Wars and and how would the dinosaurs react to it.
1: Yeah, I can really get down with, like, just a whole ton of Ewoks taking on, like, a Tyrannosaurus Rex oh, or something, right? That,
2: that would be a great battle. Look, and this is a I like, when the, the newest Jurassic World or whatever came out, I know a lot of people hated it. But I was like, look, that fulfilled exactly what I wanted out of that movie, which was I just wanted to see some dinosaurs do some cool shit. And that's exactly what I saw. I was like, I don't care about the plot, anything like that. Just want to see some dinosaurs do some cool stuff and, and mess some people up. And that's exactly what I got out of it. And I feel like with
1: Ewoks, I mean, whoa, that's a whole nother level that we're looking at. You, you just summed up the exact reason why I actually go to the movies. My wife will say, why do you want to go see that? That looks awful. I say, look, there's action. There's entertainment. There's 3D. I'm just going to get some pretzels and cheese in, in and in a big flavored water, whatever. And it, it just I just want to be entertained, all right? That's, that's all yes. I want right now. All right, Redraft. Just discovered, uh, nope, we already moved that one. Moving on. Dynasty, how much did Kenny Galladay's stock rise? Is he worth an early second round pick now? And I think uh, Dynasty, yeah. So he went in, what, the middle to late third round was a rookie ADP. Is he worth the early second now?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, what we don't know when we take dynasty picks as early as we do, even when it's right after the NFL draft, we do not know what kind of momentum these players are going to pick up, and we we can make theories, we can make guesses. uh back when when they do right after they get drafted. I mean, look at a case like guy like we're talking about early Matt Breida and Joe Williams, those guys in San Francisco, like. Brita's running ahead of Joe Williams in the preseason right now, and everybody was convinced that William was, Williams was going to take, like, Carlos Hyde's job, you know, and that might still well happen, but right now, Galladay has momentum. He has, uh, you know, looks like his star is rising, so I would have no problem being aggressive with him in, like, the early second round. I don't know if that I want to push him up into, like, the first round range or anything like that, but we know that he has Really, like he's capitalizing on that path to playing time. And if you thought Galladay was good, I think Galladay is good. Then you, then you go for it, and I'm, I'm fine with it.
1: Yeah, I'm 100% fine with it as well. And I think I, I might, uh, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna get blasted for this, but I think I'm okay with a late first uh, value wow. with Kenny Galladay. I know, but we, we've seen it. I shouldn't be reactive to the preseason here, but you know, he, he was a better prospect than Marvin Jones coming out. We, we've seen what he could. Uh, hypothetically do in that role, should he catapult into that, that role, that, that Megatron type of role, of course, I'm not comparing him to Megatron, then he's easily going to be worth a first round pick and more. So it's, it's risky to do it now, but if, if you give up the late first now and he, kind of catapults into a first and a second round a year or two years from now, then it's worth it. So yeah, you really got a, uh, I guess a little high risk, uh, valuation there, but I think I'm, I'm willing to take it there. All right, Matt, if you could go anywhere in the past or future, where would you go?
2: oh man well we were just talking about the future i don't know the future seems very dark at this point i don't know if i want to go anywhere in the future <laughs> so like, let's focus on the past i would I, we were just talking about dinosaurs i do find dinosaurs incredibly fascinating um and i would love to go back like as long as i'm gonna live if i can you know hopefully get out of this <laughs> thing alive i would love to go like back in time and and check out some dinosaurs uh i i would i'm a big like culture and society sort of like how people interact with each other. So I do think that would be fascinating. Like I always think whenever we study history or any sort of, you know, religious or cultural texts or whatever from the past, I think we, we always, kind of transpose like how we think about things and how we would view you know a situation i would love to actually go back and see people you know in another society in in like a totally different culture like pre-america sort of situation and see how they would react to it but i'm gonna go a little more adventurous and i'll say like back when dinosaurs roamed the earth uh you know i would i would check that out maybe the cretaceous period they they had a good group they had a good roster of
1: dinosaurs i'm gonna go with that you, you must have bigger webos than me, right? Because, I mean, I'll keep the dinosaurs <laughs> on the screen, right? Every time I watch Jurassic Park, I say, what are you guys, stupid? I mean, what did you think was going to happen? Right. That is so true. Like, <laughs> come on.
2: How did you Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. But, hey, human hubris, that's like kind of the undertone of the whole thing. So there we go.
1: There we go. All right. Redraft. Who will be the biggest bust this year, not named, Des Bryant or DeAndre Hopkins, in the early rounds?
2: I don't think that Des Bryant is gonna be a bust. I think that Bryant, like the, the kind of the fade Des Bryant narrative that has pervaded through fantasy Twitter this offseason, I think it's kind of gone too far at this point. I think Des finishes probably as a fringe wide receiver one, but I think like, I, I think he just is a, a perfect example of a player, you know, that is, is very much roster construction. Uh, dependent like if I've gone a wide receiver in the first round I've done this several times you know pick in the middle of the first round and grab like Odell Beckham or AJ Green or whatever um, and they could double back in the middle of the second and grab Des Bryant like I know he's going to be volatile week to week I'm accepting that but he has great weekly week winning upside and I'm fine taking that in the second round so I don't think that Des Bryant is going to be a bust I think players like you know in the first few rounds that are even going ahead of DeAndre Hopkins right now Terrell Pryor Brandon Cooks those are two guys that I think we'll have a tough time i don't know if they just flat out bust and become unusable but i do think that they'll have a tough time paying that that value back right now as their offenses are currently constructed i don't know that i can project either for the target volume needed to pay back those those adps right now i think they're priced right at the tippy top of their range of outcomes respectively
1: it's it's the wide receiver cornerback matchups don't don't you know that matt yeah, that, I think that's Bryant. Yeah. I mean that's that's it. He he can't he can't go up against good cornerbacks ever. Yeah. Um <laughs> I don't know what
2: to say. I think we've kind of jumped the shark a little bit with the wide receiver cornerback stuff, but that's just my opinion. That's just
1: the way I view things. Maybe so. just a little tad. We'll just leave it there and move on. All right, Matt. What was the worst day you ever went on? Oh, so much uh material
2: um for this. Worst date that I've ever been on. I'll actually, I won't, this is not one specific date, but I will tell a rather funny story and and embarrassing uh, for me. So this is, I'm really going to put myself out there probably. And it's not the date that was bad, but it was what happened a few months later for a, like a year later. So I went out with this girl, for one of the few times I ever went on like a Tinder date. Um, I went out with this girl one time and, you know, nothing's really coming from it. You know, I was just not really feeling or whatever, but I went out with her a second time anyways, cause I was a lonely fool at this time. So did it again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then the second day, you know, let's just say things happened and those things were mediocre at best. Let's just put it that way. Uh fill in the blanks as you wish listeners. So never <laughs> never saw this person again. Was nearly not interested in seeing this person again. Like I said, not not a great uh situation there at the end. It happens to all of us. Anyways, so about <laughs> a about a year and a half to 2 years later and this is after I this was this happened when I was back in Virginia and now at this point I'm in LA. Um you know, was just sitting there one day and like my old roommate at the time uh, what during this, this, this date incident, she's, she just sends me a text and it's a picture of that girl, like, at, and they're at a bar together. And at first I was like, who the hell's, oh my God, that's that girl. And I was like, how do you, what, what's happening? She's like, oh yeah, we work together. And now I'm like, oh my God, that's so embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> so that, that's probably the worst date that I ever went on. Not, not necessarily because of what happened on the date, but that experience afterwards was pretty rough. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's great. That that's like awkward, right?
2: Awkward. It was so awkward just cuz was like she just like with no explanation just sent me a picture of this girl that I had this horrible date with and I was just like, "Wow, so uh let's never speak of this again."
1: <laughs> so can I just say this? I am I'm very glad this whole Tinder thing came after my time, after my dating time. I'd be in a heap of trouble if this whole Tinder thing was around when I was young. And mm. Yeah, it's it's
2: it's weird, man. Um I like I'm currently off the market, which is a good thing. Uh so I don't have to think about Tinder or any any of that that stuff, but it's rough and it's so weird in a big city too like LA. I mean, I have seen some seen some things on Tinder that I can never unsee and would never want to um, you know, would never would never want to meet my future wife on Tinder and be like, hey, "You never believe uh kids, you never believe what uh your mother was putting out there on the internet." Uh time That's yeah, quite a thing.
1: Oh my gosh, I I can't even think about my, my three daughters in Tinder. I'm just gonna Yikes. Oh yeah, my don't gosh. That. Moving on. Redraft. I still can't make up my mind between Jimmy Graham, Tyler Eifert, or Kyle Rudolph. Any strong opinions?
2: Yeah, I think actually I would take them right in the order that you just that you just referenced there. I would take Jimmy Graham first, but I really like Tyler Eifert this year and man, he slips to like the seventh or eighth round in draft sometimes. And I'm really excited about in there. You know, he's 100 percent healthy right now per per himself. Uh, we talked about player speak earlier, but, you know, he, he has said that he's fully healthy right now. And he's one of the few players that has legitimately has like 12 plus touchdowns in his range of outcomes this year that you can reasonably project that. I mean, he has been a red zone monster. He's been a touchdown scorer whenever he's been on the field. Obviously, he has injury concerns. I'm probably not getting 16 games from Tyler Eifert this year. I'm a, I can accept that. But he is a true week-to-week difference maker at the tight end position. And you don't have to pay the iron price like got, like you do for Gronkowski or for Jordan Reed. Similar week-to-week difference makers, you can get Eifert at a discounted rate. And I really like taking that right now. He has strangely become like a target player for me that I, that I was not expecting.
1: See, there's just the way you lit up when you said Tyler Eifert told me with that passion that I've I've always taken the discount with Kyle Rudolph. I like all of these guys, right? But knowing I can wait three rounds between Jimmy and Kyle and get Kyle, that's what I always do because I'm a cheapskate. But just I, right. I realize I need to up my ante on Tyler Eifert.
2: I do like Kyle Rudolph, too. I mean, he is undervalued at the tight end position. I mean, he led tight ends at targets last year. And, uh, like I said, that Vikings offense really all around does seem pretty sneaky. I mean, the fact that Rudolph goes behind, you know, like Martellus Bennett is, and even Delaney Walker, I like Rudolph a little bit better, uh, than him, too. So, uh, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm a big, big Tyler Eiffert
1: guy this year, which was not something I expected to be, but I'm, I'm in on Eifert. Boom, there it is. All right, Matt, what is one of the grossest things about somebody, either when you first meet them or when you discover something new about someone you already know? Oh, I'm
2: really picky. Uh, So, like, talking about dating again, maybe this is why I have such terrible luck generally. Uh, (laughs) So, (laughs) I can be pretty picky, but in in terms of things that, like, legitimately gross me out, um... I mean, people that really like peanut butter are disgusting, as as people know. I hate peanut butter, oh, so I forgot about that awful <laughs> take. <laughs> That's a great take. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, I don't know. I generally, I think like, I think people that like are like, I don't want to say like eat like super. I I, I just want to like people that eat sloppily at this yes. point, like kind of grosses me out. Like I, I don't know, like especially if it's a if it's like a out with friends situation or like out in public, like, yeah, maybe you let things go when you're like at home or whatever, but you know, especially if it's a date or whatever, I'm super cautious about like what I order on dates. Even when I've been dating something, somebody for a while, I'm like, well, I'm never eating wings around you ever. Uh, so generally (laughs) like people eat it like messy eating can, can gross me out a little bit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, see, see, I have the same exact issue with, with food. Obviously, I like food, right? But I don't like it when people just are nasty when they eat food. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. one of my children has a bad habit I'm trying to break of, of lip smacking while they're eating, which just really drives me crazy. It shouldn't drive me that crazy, but it actually drives me crazy. But here's Dude. one. My mom, you would used to take away my plate. Like
2: if I if I smacked my lips or I chewed my like chewed with my mouth open. I mean, she would obviously give it back to me. She wasn't like a like an abusive (laughs) psychopath or whatever. But like if I did that, she would just like lean over and take my plate, like move my plate away and take it away, and I had to like sit without and sit and not and not eat until I stopped doing it. And that eventually broke me from that habit. So. I don't know.
1: Maybe something to consider. Yeah, I'm going to try that one on for size, but there's one more, even worse than that. It's when people lick their fingers, smack their thumb out of their mouth, and then they proceed to eat again, or they're going in the community Doritos. They lick their fingers and they put their oh, fingers yeah. back in the Doritos. F- I was
2: gonna say, like, if you're eating Ugh. ribs or something, I mean, or w- again, wings, like you, but you, you should be eating that like yourself, and that's one thing. But like, yeah, licking your lips if like you got the community Doritos, now
1: nah, that's horrible. That's that's rough. Cannot have that. It's the worst. All right. Last but not least, Matt, 2017 NFL bold prediction. Uh, so I don't
2: know if this qualifies as a bold prediction, but uh, I have become like the more and more that I've sat and marinated. On the situation and really thought about where the Carolina Panthers stack up and what they want to be um, offensively, I think that Christian McCaffrey not only catches 60 passes this year, but I also think he gets over 1,500 total yards. Uh, So that is my bold prediction. I think he wins Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, I I know that people are worried that it's a square peg and a round hole in terms of what they want to do there with Christian McCaffrey, but they love this kid. Uh, I think they want to make him the centerpiece of their offense, and I think they will be successful in doing it.
1: I love it. Boom! Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah, they, it's not square peg in a round hole when they go out of their way to make it a square peg, right? Right. Yeah, that's the thing. Like they
2: obviously want to change the size of the pe- they want to change the hole, not the peg. So there you go. It's got to be
1: your peg, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's gonna do it for this week's episode of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a wrote of his podcast. And that's where i answering all of your fantasy football questions. If you have any questions you want answered on the RV mailbag, you can submit those via email, roadofisradio at gmail.com, or on Twitter at road of his Radio. Use the hashtag RV Mailbag. Matt, man, many thanks for carving out the time coming on the show. Any last-minute plugs?
2: Yeah, my pleasure. I, uh, I always love chatting with you, man. Like I said, we've been following each other for a long, long, long time, and I have really enjoyed it. You're one of the people I really consider to be – to be tight with in this in this little business here so thanks for having me on really appreciate it again if your listeners are interested in checking out reception perception in the ultimate draft kit you know and again it's in addition to what you get in the ultimate draft kit which is incredible i mean a ton of fantasy knowledge tiers, ranking projections from the fantasy of footballers you got to check that out you also get access to all that reception perception goodness if you want it go to reception click on my stupid looking face and it'll take you to a link there to purchase it uh so please consider doing so
1: All right, be sure to follow him again on Twitter, at Matt Harmon, underscore BYB. And don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes, folks. It means a lot. I'm Jeremy Hart at Fantasy Gumshoe. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Mailbag, a special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotaviz.com slash podcast. Thanks for tuning in. man what's going on oh not much how about you oh not much man appreciate your flexibility is uh oh, just yeah. one of those
2: i gave me a chance to uh go rock out at cbs real quick I'll do some real cool stuff <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was gonna say, how does one rock out at CVS? I must know. (laughs) I don't know. I I mean, I guess going
2: to buy like mouthwash and uh, you know band aids and stuff. That's like rocking out. You know, when you're when you're as cool as me, that that's what that's what rocking out is.
1: That that's you know what? That's basically the story of my life. I mean, that's how I rock (laughs) out. I I go to the I go to the B Dub right, the big Walmart in town here. I've got um, too much going on at house, you know? It's school's back, man. The kids are like little walking Negans all over the house. It's like walking on eggshells everywhere, man. Just taking shit out left and right. Oh, it's it's brutal, man. They're not used to the schedule. I'm not used to the schedule. Everybody's just just crazy right now.
2: Yeah, I can only imagine. And the worst thing is, I guess, for for a parent like it changes every year they're in a different grade it's not like all right let me slide right back into you know with the season and like for me it's like oh, i kind of know what i'm getting myself into i mean it's a it's going to be a wretch, no doubt about it but uh at least i, I kind of know i kind of know what this is going to look like year to year for you
1: guys it's completely different it's it's absolutely completely different yeah and it's uh well it's a roller coaster ride is what it is but uh all right Made it, made it here, man. This is the highlight of my night. Right here is talking to you, my man. So I appreciate the time. Awesome. Well, I'll try not to be a big disappointment then. In that case. No, it's okay. You know, that's pretty much what we do around here. Is disappointment. So <laughs> again, you're just fitting right in. If you do Perfect. so, love it. <laughs>
0: love a good deal? Sale into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from 19.99, polos from 16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment.